TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo. As we were brought in by the fire tones of the Tongas, with whom we bring, with whom we give all deference to, should we keep saying the Tongas or should we say the Polynesians? Because after what Roman did Sunday, it might just be the Polynesians. I mean, if you're from an island, I want no smoke. Zero. Um, but anyway, we'd like I mean, to thank you. all hail my tribal chief now. Well, before he beat my ass, you're damn right. Um, welcome to the Outsider's Edge. Appreciate you listening. This is your boy, Rance, a.k.a. Ray Cash. Of course, I got my brother, uh, I got my brother Kyle with me because uh, brother Carl could not make it. I switched the days on him, so that's my bad, but it's all good. Uh, how you doing? I love to you, Carl, because like I'm actually super, super proud of Carl. I know he doesn't listen to the show, so I'm just going to say this for the listeners. He'll never hear it. He'll nope, never hear he it. won't, but I'm super proud of Carl for like not only saying he wanted to come back, but like actually making the time and committing to coming back. So like. I am so proud of him right now, and I'm going to ride that high for as long as I can. For like the next two weeks? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I live in the United oh. States of America, so, like, everything's fucked right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, world, the world's going to end on November 4th, so. Um, uh, anyway, while we have the world, uh, wrestling's been pretty interesting this past few weeks. We missed y'all last week, but we gave y'all the show we missed the week before. As you know, it's been a few crazy weeks. You know, we got another COVID outbreak that's affected both major companies. So yeah. hooray for that. Um, you know when the Retribution guys got a quarantine, it's fucked up. Um, well, yeah, but also, that's it was also an example, though, of something that we say a lot with AEW when they start running their mouths. Like, yo, dog, you're one of the big dogs on the block now. You can't be running your mouth like when you were one of those ankle biters. Because, like, pretty soon the shoe going to come on your foot. I'm just saying because, you know, we don't run sloppy shops around here. Anyway, um, well, also... Sturgis and the bikers. 25,000, 2,500, what is it, 250,000 people or some shit like that? Some crazy yeah, number. Some crazy shit um, like that. Erica there hobnobbing. Uh, also, Tegan Knox tore her ACL for real, for real. So Again. Like, can we give her, like, total knee replacements? And just like have her have bionic knees, so she's not gonna have the shiniest wizard. She's gonna have the bionic wizard. Pretty like, much. She's, like, she's gonna yeah. fuck around, and look like Austin in '99 in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like. Oof. All my love to Tegan. All our love to Tegan. Sure. Get well uh, soon. We love you. She had the surgery already. Um, we have a takeover coming up. Cool, Kyle. Your namesake, Kyle O'Reilly, got the big push going against Finn Balor. I am so here for it because so you know, you know why, and you know why I'm especially here for it, man. Like because the people that only know Kyle from NXT, 
don't even fucking know. No. They don't even know. Like Kyle O'Reilly is cold, cold good in the ring as a singles. Go back to go check your New Japan World subscription for some Kyle O'Reilly classics. Go check your ROH for some Kyle O'Reilly classics. My dog can go. Kyle is a former Ring of Honor World Champion. Yeah. Kyle defended the Ring of Honor title at Wrestle Kingdom against Adam Cole. Maybe. In fact, in fact, I've long said that the money feud for Undisputed it's, Era long term is to Kyle bring Cole. back Kyle bring and back Cole. Kyle and Cole because they got history like Sammy and Kevin. Um, I I don't know for sure if, if the takeover is this weekend or next weekend. So if it if it is this weekend, we'll break it down next next week. But prediction: Adam Cole is going to cost Kyle the, the 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 match. Ooh, That's my prediction. Um, Damn. Yeah, I mean, look, it's Adam Cole is quite faceish. However, however, he is the leader of the era, and I don't know if he's gonna be too good, too happy with Kyle being the champ when Kyle was always the good soldier. So I'm, I'm interested to see that. Um, the listeners can't see, but I'm clutching my pearls. Well, yeah, he he very much is. Yes, uh, quite Martha Wayne-ish, if you get oh, the yeah. joke. Um, anything else hit before we get to the rundown? Anything, any other news item that doesn't need to really be talked about? Mm. Trying to think of stuff. Oh, um, Mark Jindrak had a really hilarious tweet of, um, himself in like a Walmart toy aisle. And he took a picture of the AEW title, talking about the comeback he wants to do. And you know, the thing is no bullshit. I'd be be, here for it. He'd be be fantastic. Jindrak's good. It's way over time for Marco Corleone to come back. That's what way I'm saying. Like, Jindrak, good. <laughs> yeah. He'd, he, and he, he'd, he'd fit in AEW along with all the other 25 big guys they got. Well, and, and if we need any kind of proof that you can go to Mexico and totally reinvent yourself and come back an A-plus player, John yeah, just look, at, just look at Johnny Drip Drip. Yep, John Morrison. That's a, that's a great point. Um, uh. Impact has a pay-per-view coming up. That's another thing. Oh, uh, Impact. The, the, and I mean this in, I honestly, at this point, do mean this in a begrudgingly respectful way. They are the cockroaches of the wrestling industry. They will never look, die. Look, I don't. never die. I, at I this point, like, at this point, I'm just like, dude, I'm not, like, paying attention to y'all. I'm not here for y'all's company right now, but, like, Begrudging, I'm gonna give you your props for the fact that, like, survivability. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of that, that pay per view is Bomb for Glory, it's October, so that's like the big oh, one. Oh, this is the big one. Yep, it's the big one. Apparently, EC3 is having like a TNA world, the old school world champion, uh, championship funeral ceremony or something. That's like the that was the big segment going into this week or next week's impact or some shit like that. But, um, so, so big ups to them, you know, maybe. If you're up for it, maybe we'll we'll catch it. I don't know. I, there's nothing on the card I know of that interests me yet. But you know, we we support. We'll look. I was gonna say we'll look and see, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're always willing to to throw a dollar some at somebody's way to support what we care about. Um. Uh, one more thing before we get to the rundown. Um. You've been keeping up with the G1. I have been loosely paying attention. How? Who the fuck saw Yano going three and out? Yano. Don't let the 
the ignorance and the ridiculousness fool you. He's a legit shooter. Oh, I he will know he's a legit more. shooter. That's yeah. not what I mean. I'm just saying, who saw Yanu going three and zero to start like, the two one? You know what they gave you? They gave us a um, they gave us a little bit of a of a teaser because what whatever the tournament was that Yano beat Okada clean in the ring a few months ago. That mm-hmm. was just that was right before um, that was right before uh, Kento won the whatever it's called the new, the briefcase. The new fr- briefcase. Yeah, that was at the baseball stadium, and Yano was like beating legit guys clean. So, but I mean, but he's, he's, there's no way in hell he wins, he wins a block. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. But still, Yano's one of those guys, like, to me, Yano is the opposite of Goto in terms of, like, they hardly ever push him, but when they do, I'm always here for it because, like, Yano always gives it his all. He doesn't half-ass depending on what's happening. This is true. And well, I guess it's, well, I mean, it's no different than, Truth to Santino, when they got when they got the call to like have legit matches, they had legit matches, Yo, but they were comfortable it, doing bullshit. I will shout it from the rooftops for as long as I fucking can. Ron Killings is an NWA heavyweight champion wrestler, and you can never take that away from him. Add to that, sir, the first ever African American NWA world heavyweight champion. First yeah. one. Yeah, First so that's one. that's that's a big deal because that's a that's a huge lineage. That is the belt with the lineage. Uh, yeah. Until when we my- say Rick Flair's when we say Rick Flair's a seventeen-time world champion, a lot of those are NWA titles because Jim yeah. Crockett Promotions was part of the National that's Wrestling Alliance. What WCW broke off? Yep, yep. Um, and he beat Ken Shamrock Ford. That's another yeah. thing we need to mention. Speaking of speaking of, one last thing before we get into the rundown with Shamrock. Props to Shamrock for getting into the Impact Hall of Fame Absolutely. and for getting The Rock to record the video for him. Man, props for Rock for like still being into wrestling. Like you saw, he we're about to talk about Roman at, at mm-hmm. Clash of Champions. He tweeted Roman. He hit uh, he hit Shamrock back up as soon as he could. Like shout out to Rock for for really being a part of Rock the culture. Never forgot. Yeah, no. Rock has never forgotten that he's a wrestler. He's no. bigger than being a wrestler now. He's a Hollywood star, but Rock has never forgotten that he was a wrestler. He will never pretend to not be a wrestler. Absolutely. He will never shit on wrestling in, he in loves like, it. public form. He loves that shit. So, like, but I was just, I was really pr- happy for Shamrock because, like, yeah, first sir. of all, like, let's not forget, like, Kent Shamrock is a legitimate UFC Hall of Fame badass. Like, Ken Shamrock is one of the most dangerous men on the planet, and him being in the WWF was a big fucking deal mm-hmm. when it was Absolutely. happening. So Absolutely. Like, and he was part of The Rock's rise to being what mm-hmm. The Rock is. Mm-hmm. So like, I was just really, really happy for him that like Rock was just like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll do that. Let me get to that this weekend, and I'll send you something. Rock's first big showcase was WrestleMania uh, 14 mm-hmm. against Ken Shamrock. They fought uh, a continental title for like months. Yeah, that was the great feud. And while you're mentioning people who are still into wrestling, who still love it, John Cena was on Jimmy Fallon last night, or the night before last, one of the two, and mentioned very clearly, and continue to talk about WWE, mentioned very clearly, I am not retired, I'm just not active. So I love the fact that these old heads, these, these and Batista still talks wrestling, these legit multimillionaire Top level A list superstar movie actors 
I still like, no, nah, I'm a wrestling guy. I just do movies. Speaking love. of John Cena, I love, love, love using him to do the voiceover at the start of Clash of Champions. It was perfect, wasn't it? It was perfect. First of all, perfect segue into our review of Clash of Champions. But hashtag second of all, hashtag journalism. Um, but second of all, I love it as a concept and think we need to start doing that for these big voiceover things. Like, not necessarily always John, but just like, get Dave or Rock or John or Austin or some of these Hall of Famers that like yeah. the audience resonates with yeah. to do some of these like bigger voiceover things. Yeah. You know, it, it works for it worked for NXT with Triple H doing it, but I know that's a different dynamic. That's his baby, but yeah, I, I I I'm with you on the lesser ones. I think it's dope when like you get a like a legit A list star to do WrestleMania or SummerSlam. But I'm with you on Unforgiven or Extreme Rules. Yeah, call you know call uh, some of the old heads up. You know, go get old go get old Kevin Nash or Scott Hall or yeah. Yeah, I'm with it. I, I think that's dope. Give the guys a paycheck. I'm with it. That's 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 a fantastic. great use. Of, that's also a great use of those legends contracts that we talk about all the time. Get Bradshaw. Get Bradshaw do a voiceover. Have Booker T introduced to pay per view. Oh, well, I'll tell you this: Bradshaw and, and Booker T still get paid because they still do those damn uh, pay per view the panels at the beginning. Well, somebody got a corporate shell, like, and I don't mean. I do I mean it as a diss. I, I do mean it as a diss, but I don't mean it as a diss at the same time. But like, I mean, Book and and Bradshaw and like our boy Mark, like y'all corporate shills now. Like I I I don't wanna I don't wanna shit on you. Hey, y'all 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 corporate shills now. You stooges. As a guy who actually knows the dude, I love Book. Book Book is amazing. But of if you're talking about shills, Book is the biggest. Oh yeah, book a stooge, 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 stooge. The the thoughts and pro the thoughts and ideas of Kyle Morris do not equal the thoughts of Ray Cash in the Outsider's Edge. Oh, I don't mean stooge like he gets walked on. No, I know what you mean, but just know you ain't got to see that man walking around the street. I got to see that oh, man. Oh yeah, you're right. I I ain't in the streets of Houston. I ain't in the streets of Houston. <laughs> I got to see that man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so. <laughs> and like that's not a joke. Like I will probably see him once pandemic ends. And I mean, let's be so, real. Let's be real. Book is not somebody you cannot know who it is. First yeah. of all, first of he all, he hasn't cut that. Well, he's a legend. But second of all, he ain't cut them dreads in like what fifteen years. He started growing the little mini dreads in two thousand two thousand one. So yes, yeah. Because I remember he still. Because I remember he still had the fade when he was the five time, five time, five time. One, two, three, four, five times. He, he, had the, he had a little Hurricane Chris New Orleans dreads when he came over to, to WWF at the time. That was 2001. So, mm -hmm. yep, yep. Because uh, last Nitro, he was still rocking the high top fade because, you know, it was still the late 90s and high top fades were still in. I mean, and Buck had a tight window. Well, he did. And let's, be, let's keep it 100. 2020 and the high top fade is back. What's old is new. And what's new is old. But you know who I give credit for that? Nerlens Noel. Yeah, Nerlens is probably one of the guys that brought Nerlens came Maybe. in that big UK recruiting class yep. with John Wall and company, and he had the big ass high top fade. 
Yeah, that hoe is huge though. Like that thing got like inches on it. It's 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 impressive. It, it was so impressive. It was Jazzy Jeff levels. I was like, it, damn. I was trying to. I was gonna say kid kid from Kid and Play, but I don't know if his was as in. I don't know. It's one of those two. It's it's like nineties. Yeah, I was just hip-hop like, hip hop level. Yeah. Yeah, like you were raised point, by old heads, son. Bro, it's to the point where like, how do you sleep? You know what I'm saying? Oh, 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 oh. He sleeps he sleeps like it he sleeps like his baby does in his <laughs> Okay, let's let's get one let's get for to you and one for me. Let's get to the good stuff though, because Class Champions had it started bangers. It yes. had some in the middle. And then it really affected yeah, their makeup. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll get to that in a second. And then it ended like holy shit. Well, where do you want to start? From the beginning or the end? Let's because start from the beginning because I really... No, let's start from the beginning because they did bookend fantastic. And I think that this is actually, honestly, a good show to like take linearly because it gives us an opportunity to discuss why the middle was so mediocre. Okay. So um, the opening show, and I'm not counting the... Um, Cesaro and Shinsuke murdering the Luchas and Kalisto about to break up uh, Lucha family, but yeah, no, we're not going to talk about that. But we are going to say that we'll go back to calling them by their actual name if they kick Kalisto's ass to the curb. No, they'll be they'll be the Lucha Dragons again, but they're they're the booties as long as Kalisto is there. Okay. However, I do love that they're showing the fact that Grand Metalik is pretty fucking good. I appreciate that. But we're talking about your uh, undisputed intercontinental title match, the ladder match between. Um, the current champion, Jeff Hardy, the correct champion, incumbent Sami Zayn, and, you know, because he's been around AJ Styles. Not AJ Styles. Because he's been around, because he's healthy, and because Vince regrets AJ not signing 10 years ago, so he's going to give AJ literally any big match that he can until <laughs> AJ literally falls apart. <laughs> you laugh, but tell me I'm wrong. I will say this. I'm not going to go as far as you, but both parties have said they feel dumb. Literally, they've used the word stupid that they weren't working together 10 years ago. So you you have a lot of truth in that statement. Yeah, Vince is just like, fuck, we didn't hitch our wagon at the right time, but I'm going to hitch it till the wheels fall off this bitch. Ride that, ride that bitch till they... You're right. Ooh, so yeah. what, what did you think about it? Because this was one of the more innovative ladder That's matches we've Long time. No, that's what I liked about it. You know, I'm at a point with ladder matches because I came of age in the Attitude Era and grew up watching ECW. So, yes. like, uh, it takes a lot at this point to, like, really pop me, pop me in a ladder match. Like, your that's, ladder that's match cool. psychology matters to me because I grew up watching ladder matches. So, like... The golden era of that. Yes. And, like, this has one of the legitimate masters of the craft like jeff and edge are the two greatest ladder match wrestlers of all time um like so you know and and jeff and edge are so close in how good they are that i honestly will give you either one is the best and i won't i won't fight it you could say edge is better than jeff you could say jeff is better than edge but like either way these are the maestros of the ladder match um and so uh, but it takes a lot for me to really pop in a ladder match anymore, especially now because it feels like between 
WWE having three brands, AEW being televised, ROH and Impact and all, all the other, like, it just feels like there's ladder matches all the time in American wrestling now. Sure. So for them to be able to have interesting and unique and still innovative spots and sequences in the match really popped me. Jeff had a couple of bumps where I was like, I don't know how much of this y'all planned and how much of this is just how he fell, but like, ooh. Well, the, the one when he went over on the other side and Sammy went over and he fell over. But the I was going to say, that part I think was planned, but the ladder falling the way that it did no, into his know. arm, definitely but it made it, But it made it look better. Yes. It's also the kind of spot, that one in particular is a spot like, Man, I wish we had a live crowd for that. Oh, Can you imagine how a live crowd would have lost their shit for that? Kyle, between this Intercontinental title match, between the ambulance match, which we'll get to, and between Uso versus Reigns, the crowd would have been on their feet for two hours of the three-hour show. Like, Yeah, this would have been... But that would have definitely been a moment. I also want to give props to AJ and Sammy for the, like, Way that they rescued that ladder bridge spot there on the outside. Was that not so clever? Like, it was so great. Like, the ladder wasn't going to stay because the top of the announce table was still intact. So, while AJ is carrying Sammy, they call an audible to have AJ backdrop Sammy onto the table. And then Sammy helps AJ on the fall down to pull the table. You can tell they've been wrestling for about 20 years each. You can tell they've been oh, doing this. You can, uh, you can tell because they made the decision to call the audible, but you can also tell because they made it look so smooth and seamless. And also, speaking of Sammy, you, you called rightfully so Edge and uh, Hardy the kind of the, the fathers of the ladder match, if you will. Yeah. One of the most popular ladder matches that's never been in WWE is the ladder war between Steen and Generico. So Sammy knows what he's doing with some ladders. He oh, has absolutely. One thing people don't, something people don't realize because number one, the number of shoulder injuries and the timing of the shoulder injuries. Sure. People don't realize, I don't think, those that do, didn't know his prior work, I don't think enough people realize how good Sammy is. I'd agree. I agree with that. Like, like when we sit on this show and say that Sammy and Cesaro are two of like, the best wrestlers on the planet and they don't get enough props for it. Like it is not hyperbole. They are that fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. Vince loves the ring of honor crew. He loves the fuck out of them. Well, because Um, he's got people because he's got people now that can train his performance center. People how to like do shit. And they were one of the last ring of honor, last of the ring of honor crew that embraced psychology. On the nose, sir. God, um, I miss psychology. Like I, well, I love we, indie wrestling, y'all. I do, and I like AEW, but like I need more psychology. Well, the best psychological match of the past few years is we're talking about in a minute. One more, one more thing. I don't. Whatever you want to get on the ladder match, please. No, one that's minute. it. That that no, I'm I'm good with it. Like I love that Sammy won because he should. But I can I can I speak to the fascination of fucking with Jeff's earlobe real fast? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like no. 
and you know Jeff Hardy is demented in the head, so you know he's the one pitching these these spots. Oh, for sure. But the fact that he handcuffed a full ass ladder <laughs> and Jeff had to drag this shit around, I just things that make you pop because you've never seen them before. So I'm watching 30... him carry that ladder was the funniest shit I've ever seen. I'm 32. You're 29. I'm 30. I'm 30. You did just turn 30 this year. That's right. Yeah, you did just turn 30 now. Um. So, and we've been watching wrestling pretty much our whole lives. Yep, I've been watching and, wrestling for 23 years. And I've 25. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And for us to see things that still make us say, oh, damn. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. So, like, that was a great start to the math or to the night. My only negative to the entirety of the opening is like, it was Charlie that came out for the interview afterwards, right? Yes. I think it was Charlie. I think it was Charlie, there. too. I forgot about that. But, like, girl, I need you to get some emotions. Like, you coming out here just deadpanning. I don't care if your emotion is disgust, annoyance, anger. In, like, give me something. Well, you know what? I, I don't rem, I don't I remember seeing a clip of it, but I don't remember hearing that actual interview. But Charlie, Charlie's really good, so that had to be a bad moment for her because she's really normally really good. I, I think it was probably a I think it was an unexpected time cruncher moment because Go out there. yeah because so one of the things we wanted to talk about within the show is the middle of the show kind of comes it ebbs and flows in quality. And a huge part of the reason for that is because they, at the last minute, had to pull several talents. So um, yes, Nikki Cross, Shayna Baszler, and Nia Jack. Yeah, Kaiju yeah. Big Battle and um, Nikki Cross all had to be quarantined because of the COVID outbreak at the PC. Also, that means the Retribution crew had to be quarantined. Because I wouldn't have doubted that they got involved in at least the Hurt Business affairs. Um, And so, like, I think that all those people being pulled meant that for at least spots on the show, they might have just been like, all right, cool. Um, Charlie, go out there and interview him. And that'll waste, like, five minutes. No, that's a great point. I think you're absolutely right. Um, but now, with you saying that, it's ironic because the next four matches were really fast matches. Oscar the defeated the seven title match. The entirety of the twenty four seven title stuff, I feel like, was only on the show because of the time crunch. But the twenty four seven title match, I think, was what happened next, and I loved loved the way that that went down. Like interviewing, interviewing truth and Gulak doing the most. Hamtastic squats and lunges. He lunges his ass from like twenty feet away. Like, shout out to Drew Gulak, bro. I love Drew Gulak so much. And I hated um, your like twenty-five minutes to an hour reign as the twenty-four-seven champion. Then my man was like, uh, "And you know, I'm, this 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 win is dedicated to my fallen my fallen comrade uh, Kiritazawa, who was eaten by a shark." And it's just like what. <laughs> like this is Daniel Bryan levels of ham. I love it. I know, and I love every second of it. Oh, 
Um, I missed, oh, yeah. I, I missed Oscar and Zelina. I missed that, but it went pretty fast. But I heard Zelina. Zelina's feisty. She's not a great wrestler, but she's very feisty yeah. and it can hit spots fine. well. It was okay. fine for what it, it was fine for what it was. Zelina did a good job being spunky and not wanting to get caught up in the Oscar lock. Um, and afterwards, Oscar shows Zelina some respect, and Zelina makes like she's gonna shake the hand, and then she kicks her in the mush and does a little post match beatdown. Bro, look, let's get let's hurry and get past uh, Survivor Series so Bianca can go ahead and get this t- get this title shot because that she's the only one that makes sense next, only one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Lashley beat Apollo very cleanly, mm-hmm. uh, which to I was appreciative. Of. Well, you say that, but Ali stepped up Monday, so um, the Street Profits beat Andrade and Angel only because. Angel got hurt, and he had, I don't know if he had surgery, but I know he had MRI. So, that's a, that's, that's a big thing, because I venture to believe that um, Andrade and Garza were going to win the straps. Um, I'm not trolling. I'm legitimately asking what other Raw tag teams are not currently injured? Like, actually competing, ready to be put into something with the Profits right now. The ones that aren't actual tag teams. So what's that? What's that? Uh, Cedric and Shelton for the Hurt Business. Uh, whatever, gr- whatever grouping of retribution you want. Um, you could even throw Apollo and Cedric. Not Cedric. Apollo and Ricochet. Yeah. There I go. There I go. Putting all the black people together. Um, Apollo and Ced- and Ricochet. Like you, you're gonna have to pull something like that because it's you're not gonna. Most. Well, yeah, they're gonna have to because like there just are no healthy tag teams right but but the mvp does have history mvp and lashley do have history with the profits um they had a little beef with them at one point and the profits beat them in a match so they can go back to that mvp can make mvp has been the mvp of this year pun intended i don't Um, know i don't know like bad bailey giving him a run for his money the reason I say MVP is because while Bailey has been single-handedly the best performer in the business, MVP has single-handedly made five other people relevant. That's fair. That's I'd, fair. I'd, I'd argue seven because, remember, right after WrestleMania, Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink were getting TV time every week, and MVP was managing them. So, like, my man has literally made the entire mid-card <laughs> relevant Based off GP, so like, you nobody can touch Bailey right now. No, that's fair. That's fair. Like Bailey, you're you're right. Bailey is just like the boss of everything right now. She is just having a fucking year. Well, so speaking of the boss, uh, Bailey came out because she was supposed to fight Nikki. Nikki wasn't cleared to compete. She uh, offered for somebody to come out. Bailey did. Nobody came out. She said, "Come in here, raise my hand." Oscar came out, and of course. Bailey doing finally finally we got heels making fucking sense, right? Oh yeah. I loved it when she took when she took the hip attack. I'll do that one and then you do you'll do you can do the finish. Yes, I love the first moment of Bailey showing like good solid heel psychology. She takes the hip attack, falls to the outside of the ring. She's gotten her shit rocked. She wasn't intending for this challenger to come. She just rubs her face, looks up at the ref. Gives it a wave, like, yep, count it out. I'm out of here. Keep counting. Whatever. 
and Asuka had to go chase her ass down. Yes, motherfucker, get your ass counted out. Why would you want the match anyway? Like, yes, and then she further continues to go, and she gets the chair and hits Asuka with it to get disqualified. Just like, her right in the fuck. It is wonderfully... Like, it, it's, it's, it's enthralling when heels make sense. Right? Because why would Bailey want anything to do with that match? But the, the, the part of the match that was the big part... So, I'm, so can I be hetero for a minute? Of course. I'll never begrudge you your heteroness. It wasn't just Sasha coming out, but it was Sasha in the makeshift thong. Like, the world went crazy. Because it wasn't a thong. But it was makeshift, and, like, imaginations went wild. Like, if I My ever meet Mikazi, issue... I'm going to shake that man's hand and say, well done, sir. Well My... done. My only issue, my only issue at all with any of it is I'm just like, oh, I kind of wish they'd have kept Sasha uh, off longer. I do, too. However, what the f- can you do between today? We're recording this on September 30th. WrestleMania is, I believe, April 7th or mm-hmm. 1st. How like what what can you do? So I my I only get... hope like so like here was my thought. Uh, okay. How I could like what I would have done. Help me understand. And I, it still wouldn't have got us to WrestleMania, I don't think, but it would have prolonged us a little bit further down the road. Um you keep her off all of October selling this neck thing. If you keep her off all of October, so on the next thing, what pay-per-view do we have in November? Survivor Series. And what's the only thing that ever fucking matters in Survivor Series? Champions or tag matches. You're absolutely right. So then we ain't got to worry about Sasha even being brought up in November because we either put Bailey versus uh, Bailey versus Asuka for the champion versus champion match, or we put Bailey on the SmackDown Survivor Series team against the Raw women's team. Um, so that gets us through November. Mm-hmm. December and January are where you got to figure your shit out. Well, I might have brought Sasha back in December and had her declare for the Women's Royal Rumble. Sure. Like, so all of it makes sense if you book it right. And we have to remember, Bailey is older. T- I'm not Bailey. Naomi is owed a title shot once she gets back from surgery. Um, because Naomi, you, Naomi, we love you. We um, feel literally every day. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I think the history of having them main event hell in the cell and what that cell means for a feud like theirs, I think was too salivating for them to pass up. And, again, the beauty of it is Sasha's going to go into this match still selling injuries, right? And she's going to be valiant in this match. And Bailey will probably win because Bailey should. She should go into WrestleMania as a champ. Bailey will probably injure Sasha some more to keep her out until... Which makes double sense because that frees Sasha up to do the press tours for season two of The Mandalorian. 
Bing, bang, boom. Because, yeah, y'all, Sasha Banks about to be a boss-ass Jedi Master. No, like, that. not only is she in step, she's Star Wars canon, but she is legitimately a Jedi. Like, how dope is that? Right? Especially, right. It's, super do- it's, it's super dope to me for a, an, another reason. And it's a reason that you'll appreciate because you are one and that like, you know, in the words of Austin Creed, it's so just it's just so wonderful to see a black nerd get to be part of something that's like so huge in nerd canon. Like seeing an old because Sasha Banks is an old school black nerd. She does up, up, down, down with Mikazi. She married an Asian. One hundred percent. And I know there's I, I appreciate it. I, I enjoyed the character of Finn, but John Boyega thinks that they didn't do his character well. So, you know, there's only been, to my knowledge, one black Jedi on screen, uh, Mace Windu. Mace, yep. So it'd be dope if maybe Sasha was part of that lineage. And, and you know, everything isn't always a racial thing, but I think it's important to acknowledge, like, the gender and the race barrier breaking that's happening with her doing this as we say all the time you know you're right everything isn't a race thing but something that we repeat a lot and that i say to people all the fucking time representation matters 100 percent. it matters if if star wars is supposed to hit the entire if the entire universe tell me there's only one there's only two black people three if you count lando yeah exactly that's exactly. It. That's the only people that's dark. But well, but, and, but and have it's a even damn more Wookie. fucked up. And it's even, well, I was gonna say though, the Wookiee is the thing though. It's even more fucked up because the reason that sci-fi gets away with not having minority characters is because they got aliens. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So the aliens are just supposed to default be red as the people of color. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me every time she bothers, like, he's like, "What you talking about, Willis?" That's basically that's what you tell me. I mean, pretty much. He's just calling Han Solo the N-word, like, <laughs> for three hours. What is this doing? <laughs> that, you just made Star Wars so much more So fun. much better for you? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm going to go back and watch some of these episodes now and roll oh, every yeah. time. I want, you to hear, I, I want you to hear him in his voice. Anytime he's trying to fix some shit that they break, <laughs> talk about, I wish this would. Oh, I just see the Kevin Hart in my mind. Help me. Help me. I could just see Chewie just like, bro, really? Um, you. So you hit me up the night of or the night after to tell me that you, Kyle Morris, noted Drew McIntyre hater. And, and Randy noted, Orton hater. And noted Randy Orton hater. And noted ambulance match annoyer. Oh, oh. Hate an ambulance match. That you had positive things to say. The floor is yours. One, I'm just going to say it from the beginning. It was a good match. It was a legitimately good match. Two, the callbacks to the story were great of having all the legends come in to, like, keep Randy from winning. And, like... It's hilarious because it's the example of how psychology is funny in wrestling. Like, typically all this outside interference would be some heel-ass bullshit, but Randy is such a despicable heel that we just ignore all of that, like... 
there's a difference between payback and comeuppance, and that was comeuppance. So, um, but yeah, so that was fun, and I loved the finish. I loved the finish. I loved the sweet chin music falling off the ambulance, and then the claymore into the ambulance. Like, it was that was great. That was the most entertained I have ever been by Drew McIntyre. That's saying a lot for a guy who wouldn't even acknowledge him on the show a few months ago. So, hey, good on you, man. I enjoyed the hell of the match. Yes, the callbacks were fantastic, and they made the match for me. The match was still fun, but yes, psychology at its best. The callbacks were wonderful. Well, Even it also to- provided us that fun moment on Monday of uh, Randy going hamtastic and putting the- on the fucking night vision goggles. <laughs> and then dressing up like the janitor and putting the hood on, but like, over there. It was, yeah, it was, look. So, Justin Davis on Twitter said it best. This was the Randy Orton season finale. <laughs> but you know what? But you know what? What a fucking season it's been. Who had Randy Orton gets woke, realizes that Black Lives Matter, stops being a garbage human, and becomes an entertainingly dastardly heel again on their 2020 pandemic bingo card? I would have gave you two of those because Randy Randy Orton isn't really a shitty person anymore. He just had some his I think his reputation precedes himself, but he's shown he's like a pretty pretty a pretty decent guy. But the rest of the stuff came out of nowhere. And Randy Orton always has a great heel run in them every couple of years. Oh, yeah. It's just you never know when it's coming back. You don't. Now, I don't think it's over because I think Randy wins at Hell in a Cell. So, I mean, you know, we got to get to Randy versus Ed some kind of way, right? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And that's definitely where they're going. Does that mean Edge is going to win the Rumble? No, I SmackDown guy gets the rumble. To, oh no, because if it's Rock versus Roman, yeah. So Edge is gonna win the rumble. <sighs> Come back to me on that. I don't know how I feel about that. Come back to me on that one. Um, oh, I like it. Not because and not and it's nothing against Edge. I love Edge. Love him. One of my all time favorites. He go he banks at a bank that a friend of mine works at. Like he's awesome. Um, but. I, I'm not. I have feelings I'm, about ruthless aggression era guys becoming the new attitude guys. I'm trying to reconcile that in my mind too, because yes, I have an issue with again an older guy coming in and winning another rumble, but because it's Edge and he had his career taken from him. Yeah, yeah. I I almost it. feel like I'm okay with this one. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh, and by the way, y'all. Um, yeah, that's where we're at. The ruthless aggression guys are the new attitude uh, vets coming back because the ruthless aggression guys are the forty-year-olds now. The attitude guys are pushing sixty. Yeah. The attitude guys are pushing sixty. Um. Yeah, they're old. Um. So, what we what everybody came here for? Man event of the evening. One of the best matches I have seen in months. Cousin versus cousin. As my boy Jay said, from the porch to the pay-per-view. Please go watch the Jay Uso Chronicle. You, you know what the best... You know, fantastic. You know what some of the best words of praise I saw for it were just because I know this particular person's fandom? What's up? When Rich 
flippy dudes are better than everything else Lada says, you know, it didn't have necessarily as many big moves as I liked, but that was a fire-ass fucking match. Shout out to Rich. Also, shout out to Rich for, for the fact that Rich is producing a big part Word. of Orr's new, new record. Yeah. Happy birthday, Orr. Yeah, man. Shout um, out to Rich, man. I appreciate that. That that it, yes, for Rich to, to for Rich and, to say and that. Again, that's not to say that. Ri- and, and again, I'm not trying to shit on Rich. I just know that his tastes are very much yeah. more flips, better. More yes. flips, better. So for him to say this match had no flips and it didn't even have as many big moves as I would have liked, but it was still a fire ass fucking match with a great story. So let me hit you with something that I don't know if you heard or not. Um, Roman was on uh, Corey Gray's After the Bell podcast um, the, this, this, this week going into Clash of Champions. And he, sp- and he, like, he was, it was very much a, a non-kayfabe interview, but like Roman, I think, finally feels comfortable to be like, in, like on his shit now to say what he wants to say like, and not parse his words. And there was one part of the 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 one the part of the interview that got the most um, probably headlines was when that Graves asked him, "Who have you seen uh, that's impressed you since you've been gone?" And, and Roman got real fucking quiet. And like, if you see the video, his his head's down thinking. And Graves is like, "Well, that's my answer." <laughs> and Roman's like, "Be honest with you, nobody. Because if somebody impressed me, if somebody was doing the job, I wouldn't have to come back. Like he's on his shit." But the part that's relevant to this match is he talked about how he very much is much like from the scene of tree, a guy who is completely motivated and moved by the audience. The audience tells him where to go next. The audience tells him what facial expression to do, what move should go next, how he should do the move. Very much so swayed by the audience with no audience and with him not having the opportunity to go through the growing pains that they went through. It's starting in late March and it's going on forward to after WrestleMania. He was horribly nervous, which is why he was so happy that they the first feud booked was against his cousin, Jay, who literally taught him how to wrestle. And I think that is the very last part. Yeah, Jay is the guy that taught him how to wrestle. Jay is because they stayed next door to each other. They stayed next door to each other. So when Roman moved to Tampa to to uh, start FCW. He asked Jay, yo, where you living? Jay was in the middle of the fucking hood. Like of the course worst he of the was. World. This is Jimmy and Jay we're talking about. Of I'm course saying. he was. Yes. Joshua Fatu. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so he was like, this is where I live. Roman got an apartment right next door. So when you hear from the porch to the pay-per-view, every night they would sit on their adjoin- uh, adjoining porches and Jay would walk him through every bit of the psychology and every bit of the verbiage and everything that you have to do in a ring. Very clearly, Roman was NFL caliber football player, so he has the physicality. But it was the other stuff that he learned, right, that allowed him to go on the ring and already get so much more that people who don't get that education, you know, can do. And that Roman will tell you, Jay taught me how to wrestle. And that's where the porch from the porch to the pay-per-view came from. So I think that part of his interview is where they came up with the beautifully genius idea of all of the trash talk. 
Because that wasn't your regular Bully Ray or Jericho or, you know, somebody just talking trash in a match. That trash talk was integral to the match. If you watch that match on mute, it's not the same match. The trash talk also makes sense. Like, I'll speak to this as somebody who has siblings. Like, when you fight in your sibling, it's a different kind of fight. Because you're not just trying to win. You also trying to prove a point. Especially if you're the older one or the bigger one. Like, oh, oh, we thought we was going to be the big dog today. Oh, we wanted to put on the big boy pants today. Tell me who the big boy is now. We don't chop in this family. Oh, my God. Who chops in this family was the greatest (laughs) shit ever. So my favorite part of the match, my favorite part of the match is Roman has it's got Jay beat the fuck down. And he says, call me the chief. Call me the tribal chief. Tell me I'm your chief. Look in the camera and call me the chief. Look at and, and, and Paul, in all of his smartness, is like, you are my tribal chief. I serve at the pleasure of your... You are... You are and, he, and Roman looks at Paul. He says, I don't want to hear from you. I need to hear it from him. And I was, I stood up in my shit and I was like, oh, really? But you know what? But you know what? You know what? Can I, can I make a, can I make a bold claim? Please. I think, I think this feud hits different for those of us that are people of color because this feud is so about the culture. Oh, like there's something so about the culture, about a man of color looking at this dude talking about, no, 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 no. I want to hear you say it. Mm-hmm. I want this motherfucker right here to say it. Mm-hmm. There is something so about the culture about call me the chief. There is something so about the culture about I from the porch the to the pay-per-view. I sit at the head of the table. Like at, I like, eat the big piece of chicken. Everything about this it hits for you. No, I feel like it hits no matter what, but I feel like it hits a little bit different if you're in a minority community and grew up like within that kind of culture. Well, it's Kofi Mania-esque. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Kofi Mania-esque in that anybody can appreciate the feud, but if it's of the people it's really directed towards, it yeah. hits different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. conversations and our families of who is the head of the table. Especially in we live in an extremely masculine world, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so much of older culture is man run the house. Well, everybody's been in a situation where I, who house is it? It's my family. I run this, you know? Like Roman said, you should have just taken the payday. That would have been the best for you well, and your family. Some- it would have been good. Well, and it's also something, there's also something very, very cultural of the idea of this one man is in charge of the well-being of all of these different extended family that's, members. That's massively Polynesian. especially. Like, oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very Asian. It's very Asian in general, just this idea of it is my responsibility to take care of my parents and to provide for them. And like, it is understood that they will get to be a certain age and they will move in and that that's yep. just how it goes. Yep. Um, 
but also just like, yeah, there's just something very cultural of this whole, this my family. I got to provide for all y'all motherfuckers. So, Jimmy running out last minute, which nobody knew Jimmy was there. Nope. And shout out, shout out to Jimmy for them badass cornrows. Like, those, like, them braids were tight. They, they was tight as fuck. Yeah, they was Kawhi Leonard tight. Like, they were, they were, they were AI tight. Like, mm-hmm. they were on point. Like, so shout out, for, shout out for that surprise. And then shout out for, again, so many people missed this moment. When after Jimmy says, you the chief, I, Oos, there's too much, you changed. Roman looks at Paul and says, go get it. Paul goes and gets the lay that Jay came out with and adorns it over his head. He like devote this motherfucker. Oh. He devote this motherfucker. He just most, stole his chain. It's the most fantastic 30 minutes of wrestling you he, may ever see. He deboed this motherfucker. Just stole the chain. And you know what? Underrated, but shout out to Lil Nate because Lil Nate played a huge part in that match too. Shout out to Lil Nate because the ref was important because the ref had to let it go and there was parts of the match where like he would like get too much and Roman would say Paul talk to him he don't want to he don't want me to talk to him talk to him and Paul's like sir you need to get away before <laughs> Mr. Is, first of all that's the blackest thing Roman Reigns has ever, other than stealing somebody's chain that is the blackest thing that Roman Reigns has ever fucking done talk to him he don't want me to talk to him <laughs> you better get your mans he don't oh, want man. me to talk to him one more point I want to make one more point because I could bloviate about this all day long I could talk about this shit all oh, fucking yeah. This could be the whole podcast right here, just breaking down this match. But one more thing I want to mention is, I think, and I'm I'm stealing this from somebody on Twitter, because somebody said it that illuminated my mind to it, but it's very true. And forgive me if I don't remember, because I don't remember who it was. But so many of these mid-card guys steps up to fight top guy matches end where the mid-card guy has a match of his life and puts... And sends and, and and the top guy is like barely sliding by beating him to put over the mid card guy. No, Roman beat his ass the entire match, with, except for maybe two minutes. And exactly how he said he was gonna. Exactly how he said he was gonna. I love you. You're my boy. You're my blood. On Sunday, I'm gonna beat your ass. And exactly exactly like he said he would, but in a way that Jay is still elevated. So the it went exactly how it should have happened, but you know, Jay Jay can Jay can go. He can go with the best of the best, but he wasn't gonna beat Roman in this house at this moment and this situation because Roman was out to prove a fucking point. And Graves had the best line of the night. He's at the show's going off, and he says, "If Roman would do this to his own blood, imagine what he'll do to anybody else." End scene. That's Shakespeare, bro. Oh, it also sets up perfectly the eventual um, Uso also heel turn. And the justification can be, I mean, Big Dog told me what the fuck to do. Um, <laughs> I got a line, Uso. Yeah. yeah he's the chief. He's the chief. The chief <sighs> told me what the fuck was up. Uh, can you imagine if, we're, if we get vignettes of like Roman going... Back going back to Pensacola and like Superman punching Rikishi. 
<laughs> you know, or going after Sifa, uh, the the Usos' little brother, because <laughs> for for talking out of pocket, mm-hmm. or like confronting Naomi and being like, "What what you were saying?" Like that would be the funniest shit to me. It won't happen, but oh no, I mean the Rikishi one might. I, I would love the Rikishi one just because that's a whole different. That's a whole different level. Yo, what's up, Cuz? You ain't teach your boys. I thought you was gonna teach your boys. Oh my god! Am I gonna uh, have to get my dad to talk to your dad? Fantastic. Um, while we're on the subject of Roman, uh, so Ro- and shout out to Roman doing these long format interviews. Um, Roman did an interview recently with Complex, and he spoke about Philip Jack Brooks. Yeah, he did. Oh, boy. uh, Roman said, uh, and I quote, shout out to Michael Cole, and I quote, I think um, the guy, uh, no, I'm talking about the Rock, I'm sorry. He says, uh, all the way from someone as big as The Rock to someone like CM Punk, someone who really hits home with our audience and hardcore fans. If you've watched wrestling for the last 10 to 15 years and love it and it's in your blood, then you probably have some, some kind of feelings about that guy. I know I do. Just by doing one of these things, he made my job a lot harder. Pay attention to that. If it's something that the fans can get behind and sink their teeth into and really dive into the creative with us, then I'm willing to do it. I don't like the guy. I don't know many people who do. I just don't know many who do. But I'm willing to put business first and make really good content if that's the case. He'd probably have to be slapped around a few times in order to get his mind right. But if he's willing and the fans and audience are going to like it and be into it, then most likely I'm going to be into it. You Joe and Hawaii on his shit. Shout you know, out to you know, Joe. I- I'm going to say this to him. I'm going to say this to it. Roman has legit reason to not like punk in a way that a lot of people don't. Because when he talk about... He made my job a whole lot harder just by doing one of these things. What he means, y'all, for those that don't know or haven't put it together, he's talking about the fact that Punk did a podcast where he said that Roman was Vince's fair-haired boy and the chosen one, and from that moment forward, the IWC, large chunks of it, decided that they forever hate Roman Reigns. He said, and I quote, they told me to make Roman look strong. He also went to go on the fact of, of taking credit for the idea of the shield and saying that he picked Ambrose and, and Rollins, but he picked Ono to be the muscle, not, uh, not Reigns. And we all know that appearance notwithstanding, there is a special type of relationship that fans, especially indie fans, have with Chris Hero. He's a fantastic dude, amazing wrestler. But he's not the right guy for that shield. And nope. very clearly, he wasn't. Um, but fans latched on to that. This was about the same time Roman was coming back from the hernia surgery. And he came back and his entire career was just irrevocably changed. It was also in the middle of it was also in the middle of the fans begging the company to push Daniel Bryan and them resisting at the time. True. This was pre yes this was pre Yeslemania. No, this was post WrestleMania. No, WrestleMania. This was post that. WrestleMania, WrestleMania was WrestleMania 30. This is after Brian came back from the injury. 
The Shield wrestled at WrestleMania 30. I was there. They wrestled the out. The Shield wrestled the Outlaws and uh, Kane. And then right after that, uh, Brian got hurt, which is why the Shield main evented against Evolution back to back. And then Rollins turned on them after they beat them back to back to last the rest of the, the rest of the rest of the summer. They did that because Brian got hurt. That's the reason why the turn happened so fast. They needed somebody to carry it on. Brian came back, and Brian was in the Rumble. Brian came back right before the Rumble, so Roman was supposed to face um, Rollins for the title because remember Roman and Ambrose had agreed we're going to split up. Ro- Ambrose is going to go after Rollins. Roman's going to go after Orton and Triple H. Well, they let they, they let each other let each other completely be apart until Rollins curb stomped Ambrose's head through the uh, through the cinder blocks. That's when Roman was like, this is too much. You can't do that. So Roman called out Rollins. They had the match, I believe it was at Night of Champions. And Roman got the hernia and had to miss. And this was uh, September. He comes back in early December, right around the time Brian comes back and says, I'm in the Royal Rumble. Well, everybody's like, well, Brian got to win it because Brian never lost the title. And Brian gets eliminated like midway through the Rumble. By Bray Wyatt. And then Roman comes out in Philly at like number 22 or something. And everybody can smell it from a mile away. This is Roman's. Going into WrestleMania 31. That's why Brian was put in the Intercontinental ladder match. That was 31. So WrestleMania had already happened. But the fans thought Brian needed to be put back on the throne. And Vince thought, let this motherfucker prove he can be healthy before I give him the strap again. Because Brian got the strap at WrestleMania 31. The IC title in a fantastic ladder match proceeded to get hurt a month and a half later again and ended up retiring for five plus years. So Vince made the right decision, but fans can't accept that. I have had to make this argument dozens of times. That's why I know it so well. You froze in the middle of it, so I just kind of chuckled and let you finish. Oh well, you know what? I'm. Rec- it was good on my end. So that's all that matters. That's literally all that matters. It's going to be good on the pod. <laughs> And I've heard you make this argument before, so like yeah. it's not anything I haven't heard. Uh, technology, sir. It's not probably your fault. Could be my fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that's but that's what happened. So this was after WrestleMania. All right, I stand corrected. But either either way, like Punk does a podcast, says Roman is the fair-haired child, and from that moment forward, it seeps into the ether, and everybody hates Roman. And yes, and it took Roman literally, excuse me, it literally it took, took him literally getting cancer a yeah, second for time. Fans, for the fans to be like, you know what? He's not so bad. Yeah. Absolutely right. So he got he got it right to have to have beef with punk. Um and you know what? Um a a a, a pretty prominent wrestling writer tried to stand up for punk. Not so much stand up for punk. But saying he does not said earlier he doesn't understand why so many people hate Punk because he thinks it's because he's anti WWE and everybody's WWE shields. People don't hate Punk because Punk is anti WWE. People hate Punk because Punk is a piece of shit. He's a dick, and he's an admitted dick. But the things that Punk has done, the lies he told in his lawsuit, the uh, the fact that he's turned his back on so many of his friends, Hornswoggle and Graves. And Cabana, one, two, three, right in your face, right? 
the the fact that he's still bitter all these years. What he whatever he said to to Miz the other a few years back, uh, because Miz Miz uh said up uh, he was on uh backstage and they didn't give him a big entrance. He was like, oh, so I don't get a big entrance. I'm sorry, I didn't change the culture. Basically riffing off of what Punk said, and he's basically like cussed him out real crazy on Twitter and said like really fucked up shit. Like Punk is a dick, so he got nothing to do with WWE. He's a dick. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. The way he screwed over Cabana, like, just sticks in my craw more than any of it. And he got away with it. That's the worst part. Yep. Sure did. The only, the only reason he got away with it is because the, the because a, um, a man's or a man's lawyer put the wrong put the wrong part of the suit in the suit. A man said that his earnings were irreputably damaged and it, that there's no proof of that because he's still hired. So yeah, that's um, that's why he lost. I'm just glad that things worked out for Colt and that Colt is cashing them contracts. Get that dog wanker money, son. Cashing them dark order contracts? Them dark order checks? Yo, that new dark order shirt is great. Join dark, dark order. We have juice. They growing on me, bro. They oh, growing on me. Sure, dude. I have, I have become a huge fan of the dark order. Shout out to John Silver, which everybody shouting out. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, the the joint dark order we have juice. That is just a great fucking shirt. That's 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 one that you might that I might get. Like that's that's wearable. Um, can we can we get to a little more of a serious subject? Yeah, sure. Let's put on our serious pants. Um, and it shouldn't be serious, but wrestling Twitter, being the cesspool it is, has made it serious. Of course. Um. So, as we all know, Seth Rollins and the Mysterio family have been feuding since since before twenty since twenty nineteen, right? Literally since late twenty nineteen. Literally. Um. Well, his entire family has come into it. Dominic has gotten the contract to wrestling. Monday Night Raw, where the feuds never end. Basically, yes, it's it's, it's hilarious. Um. But. Not only has Dominic been involved and gotten involved, but now the story has bred to Ray's wife and Ray's. Oh, shit, I almost forgot. Fuck Dominic. I almost forgot. <laughs> Gotta keep the gimmick going, huh? Gotta keep it alive, man. Um so Aaliyah, Ray's real life daughter, who is in real life nineteen years old, just... is apparently being put in some sort of a storyline with Murphy. Murphy so, like... being well, hold on. Let me, let me finish breaking it down, and you yeah, the yeah, yours. Yeah. Murphy, who has long been the disciple of Seth Rollins, has been very mistreated, like most cults of personality do, by his his messiah. And um, Murphy and Aaliyah is, has showed him a little compassion. Uh, and there is a bit of a storyline that's but that's that's brooding that. Is showing them having some type of compassion for each other. I don't want to go any further because I want to get your opinion before we break down the what what the relationship between those two could possibly be. But yeah, you were jump. You wanted to say something, please. I I just I don't understand why Ray's wife and daughter are suddenly Linda and Stephanie McMahon and like. All of a sudden, the Mysterios are just the McMahons, and they're all over the fucking show. And I, I just, I don't get it. it. It confuses me. 
in a way, and I'm I'm vexed. But as far as the storyline itself goes, like the main problem with the storyline is it's icky. It's not necessarily illegal. It's not illegal, honestly. She's 19, he's 30. It's not illegal. It just, it feels icky because it feels very much like a grooming type of behavior. Like, I'm way too old to actually be, like, you know, getting all buddy-buddy with you, but I'm going to be buddy-buddy with you anyway. And it's just like, yeah, what you're doing is legal and there's not necessarily anything, like, wrong with it, but it just, it feels kind of gross. So I'm glad you said that because I take the opposite stance. And let me tell you why. I see your point. I'm not saying your point is invalid. I just see it differently. So many people are, are rushing to judgment to assume there's a romantic lining in the storyline between Murphy and Aaliyah. Nothing has shown that. Not yet. It may very well go there. But nothing has shown that yet. What is coming up to me is, and this is going to sound weird, but let me explain. Two abused people finding comfort in their abuse. Murphy has very clearly been abused by Rollins. You see that. We, can, we know it. But the beauty of the Rollins mysterious story is Ray. This has turned Ray into a different person. Remember the other day, the couple of Mondays ago, Aaliyah walked out because Ray basically told her she was just a kid and don't know shit. Right? Then why the fuck did you bring her bitch ass to Raw? Stupid, right? Stupid, right? But I think, and then you see the way Dominic has been like a raging maniac and everything they've gone through. As a child of that family... She's had to watch her dad get continuously injured, have his fucking eye pop out of his head, have her brother get destroyed at every at every moment, have them get other people jumped regularly like Humberto Carrillo and Alistair Black and Kevin Owens, right? And Joe, if we want to keep going further back, all because Ray can't just say fuck it, I'm gonna be the bigger man and let the shit go. So it sounds like to me, the story seems to me less about, oh, well, these two people are star-crossed lovers and more like nobody understands what I'm going through than you. That's why Aaliyah was the one to give him some comfort. And not, and not religious comfort, just simply, you okay? And Murphy yeah. needed that because the reason Murphy turned to Rollins in the first place was he had literally nobody else after Alistair whipped his ass week after week. That's the reason, right? So that's the way I take it. You know, the more we talk about it, the more, like, my real problem with the whole situation is just, like, it's fucking October. (laughs) And they've been feuding since last year. Like, there's long-term storytelling, and then there's, like, overcooked steak. And uh, our steak is in well-done waters on this one. Like, I, I need this to end soon. Um, well, th- this is very, this is clearly ending soon because it's, it's going to transfer to Murphy Rollins. Um, I don't know how much of the Mysterios will play a part in this, but it's definitely going to Murphy versus Rollins. Um, 
but I don't think this is going to be a all of a sudden Murphy and Aaliyah are on screen couple or Aaliyah is going to be walking Murphy to matches or things like that. This is just a conduit for people to see Murphy's pain, right? And to show that Ray and Dominic maybe not be as good. I've been telling you Dominic's a piece of shit for months now. Well, he's a piece of shit because dad's a piece of shit, apparently. I'm just saying, you know, when WWE proves me right, I'll be able to say I was hating on Dominic Mysterio way before it was cool. Old Guerrero in disguise, bitch ass. And how hilarious is that? Ed taller than Ray. You ain't fooling no fucking body. How hilarious is it that Seth's trying to say that not not only is Dominic Eddie's, but but Aaliyah is too. Oh, like Seth out here shooting slugs, bro. I'm here for the full circle. Look, I'm loving how full that circle is. Just the slugs. Um, so that's that. That's my take on it. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> know that it's necessarily a relig- uh, a a romantic thing. But I do get the uncomfort of the age difference. Um, I, I completely do. And you understand. know, it's you know, it's kind of crazy. You know, it's really kind of crazy to think about now. As icky as this feels right now, it shows you how much we've grown since the Attitude Era because this is essentially the age gap between Triple H and Stephanie. Sure. Like I'm pretty sure they're. They might only be 10 years apart, but, like, there's a significant age gap. I think there is, but I think the difference is in this. And it, the difference doesn't matter because your point is right. But Steph had been on screen as an adult for a few years before they did this. As an adult in what sense, though? Like, they made her baby girl Stephanie for, like, a long-ass time. Sure, but, I mean, at least we saw her every week. Like Aaliyah's been on screen three times now, and there are there are and people already feel like they're teasing a, a romantic storyline. You know, so um, fun fact: I was curious about the age difference between them, so I started looking it up. And if you type in the name Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon is the first Wikipedia entry. Look at you, Steph. Just look at you. Me. Well, Steph was voted one of the most one of the fifty most powerful women in in. Um, Business or something like that. So yeah, she earned that. All right, so she forty four. I think Steph. I think Triple H is fifty two, and Hunter is fifty one. So there's not as much time between them as I thought. That's four yeah. years. That's four years less than the difference between. Yeah, because Murphy's thirty two, right? And I think so yeah, and Aaliyah's nineteen. Yeah, so that's twelve between them. Oh, I, I, I totally get it. And if they and I will very much, very happily, um, <clears throat> if they do go romantic, I'll very happily come here and say, yeah, yeah, because it just I'm, feels, it just feels icky, like, and it, especially you know, in the wake of everything that had happened over the summer with speaking out. And... So yes, but I think this is one of the negatives of being woke. Is you your mind? It is not many. Please don't take that as me saying there's a bunch. It's very small. It's negative as anything, though. But I think one of the negatives in this scenario is your mind automatically tr- connects things that may not need to be connected. Well, I no, so no, it's not that. It's my thing is I'm big on. We've been talking a lot lately about reading the room. Sure. sure. And it's like 
proximity from an event matters. Absolutely. Yes. And so it's just like, okay, so like literally two months ago, yeah, we had a major scandal in our industry about serial sexual predators all over the fucking place. And the company. Within and so, like yeah, several within your own company. And so it's just like to only a mere again, two months later, potentially we don't you're right, we don't know for sure yet, but like potentially be sowing the seeds of a possibly romantic storyline involving people that are twelve years apart, one of whom is just barely legal feels really like you did not even try to look at the pages in the book, much less read it. No, you're right. You're right, because it it does have a terrible taste in my mouth when I think that there's a possibility they could go this way with this storyline, especially with the age. And then Velveteen Dream has a match at the next takeover. So, so I, I I feel you and I get you and I'm I'm with you, but I also do think that nuance always matters in certain situations. Yes, the timing is fucked, but I, I think, think that's the bigger issue right now. I is think the timing. The story, yeah, because I, I think that the storyline people wouldn't necessarily be as quick to assume that it's going in a certain direction. If it wasn't for the timing, and I mean, you know, people are supercharged anyway because our country's, like, up in flames. We had a circus act on primetime last night, like. So I think the timing is killing this a lot more than maybe even the content. Not that the content is itself bulletproof. Well, I mean, and, and, and keep it a buck, this is WWE Creative we're talking about. So Exactly, which is the other thing, you know, as Bomani Jones says, um, we need to stop engaging with people who are negotiating in bad faith, and we need to stop giving people the benefit of the doubt. And like, I'm sorry, WWE Creative, you know I'm still watching your products on the, on the whole, and like, I give you credit that you've grown in a lot of ways, but like, y'all don't get my benefit of the doubt. Speaking of people with benefit, people who should have lost the benefit of the doubt a long time ago, bitch ass Uncle Dave had another foot in, moment, in his mouth moment. Yeah, I can't believe people are paying more for his shit rag than the network. It's hilarious, and not just the network, <laughs> the um, New Japan World Honor Club, all that shit, right? Yeah, like, so money on better things, friends. This time, he's going after Bianca Belair, who he's gone after multiple times. Uh, Mostly got an issue with black women, apparently. But I just want you to hear this for yourself. Impressive. It wasn't like if you watch college track meet, the one that would be quicker than her. I 
I'm sure a woman's college track meet athlete would be slightly faster than Bianca Belair, yes. but not considerably faster. Not considerably, but they would be faster. Time. So Bianca Belair is an NCAA collegiate track star. You worthless contract. She ran all fucking American at two SEC schools. Eat a bag of dicks. I'm just going to sit and listen. That's, I'm done. For a guy whose job is supposed to be to know shit, how you ain't know that about Bianca? And and more importantly, why the fuck would her hair matter? Like, did you not watch Flojo back in the day? Fucking hair don't matter. She was an all SEC, all American track star. She made the SEC academic honor roll. In 2011 and 2012. Like, <sighs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. Oh, and that's this week's ep- episode of What Can Piss Cow Off Today? Fuck Dave Meltzer. Oh my God. Like, I haven't been that angry since Joey Ryan. Speaking of Joey Ryan, <laughs> you want some Joey Ryan news? I mean, no, because, like, seriously, dude, like, go literally anywhere else. I'm just going to read the headline of said article. Oof. Ha-ham, and I quote, Joey Ryan files multi-million dollar lawsuit against hashtag speaking out accusers. Would you like me to go on? I mean, sure. Well, if you didn't want me to, I was going to do it anyway. Sorry. Joey Ryan has filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against three women who have alleged that Ryan sexually assaulted them. These allegations were made during the Speaking Out movement, prompting Impact Wrestling to release Ryan and for Ryan to delete his and bar wrestling's social media accounts. Ryan has since reactivated those accounts as well as his Patreon and has made statements denying the allegations. Ryan filed the lawsuit in the United States District in Central Court on September 24th, claiming the women made false allegations against him, resulting in damages to his reputation and livelihood. Ryan has said that he has lost upwards of $20,000 in monthly income from his various revenue sources, including live event bookings, merchandise, Twitch, Cameo, and Patreon. The filing contains details of the losses Ryan has claimed to have lost. The first section... <laughs> I try to read to you with a straight face, y'all, but this shit funny. The first section concerns the loss of social media followers of at least 11,000 on his Twitter account, as well as no longer receiving 1,000 followers per month as Ryan previously had. Listed also is the loss of 8,000 followers on his Instagram, as well as no longer receiving 1,000 followers per month as Ryan previously had. He is putting the loss of his social media followers in a lawsuit. I just, oh my God. Keep going, keep going, keep going. 
Also included is the loss of venues for bar wrestling, as well as lost revenues from bar wrestling in the amount of $1,500 per month from distribution and streaming services, and $2,000 per event with two events per month. There is also a list of alleged lost uh, revenues from merchandising in the amount of $1,000 per month, lost revenues in his Patreon account in the amount of $3,000 per month, Lost revenues in his cameo account in the amount of five hundred per month. Lost revenues from his Twitch account in the amount of one thousand per month. Plus subscription shares and tips from subscribers and lost revenues from wrestling performance bookings of eight to ten thousand per month. Ryan is reportedly looking for the following resolution to the matter, including payment for economic and non-economic damages. He is also looking for the accusers to retract and delete any defamatory statements made against him. Best part. Brian is seeking $200,000 in economic damages as to each of the defendants or the amount lost as a result of defendants' conduct multiplied by the months from June 21st, 2020 to the date of of the award of economic damages. He is also seeking, get comfortable, $5 million as to each of the defendants in non-economic damages, as well as punitive damages of $10 million due to, and I quote, malice, hatred, ill will, and despicable and intentional acts. Ryan and his legal team have also filed an injunction on the defendants from making defamatory statements or any iteration of the defamatory statements as set forth above and herein to retract the defamatory statements as set forth above and herein and to direct any and all websites that the defendants posted their defamatory statements as set forth above and herein to delete the defamatory statements. That's some bullshit. That is so just many different kinds of wrong. That's some bullshit. That is some. By the way, he he put a second he put a second lawsuit out there too. I'm gonna read all that shit. But it's another one. Like the the audacity, the unmitigated gall. Five million in non-economic and ten million in punitive damages, bro. Like you don't have five million dollars. Nope. Nope. Just like it's a fucking pandemic. First of all, it's a fucking pandemic. But second of all, you can't sue because people correctly said you're a piece of shit. And now they don't want to work and now other people don't want to work with you because you're a piece of shit. This is one of those moments where uh Bix, who is a, a a troll hermit piece of shit, is actually good at his job. Because if you go to Bix's Twitter. He has broken down Joey Ryan's apology video by the statements he made, basically, where he, where he defamed himself. Here's why I'm not surprised. Here's why I'm not surprised. Because Bix is a troll. Trolls occasionally come in handy. Right. Because, like, if there's one thing I will give trolls credit for, trolls are almost better than accountants at keeping receipts. Oh, 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 oh. You, you spin bars today? Like you, I wasn't expecting you to spin bars today. 
Like, trolls keep them receipts. That's funny as fuck, bro. That's funny as hell. Dog, I, I just, like, the gall of this dude. I I mean, look, I I am all for, if you feel that you need to defend yourself, defend yourself. That's what the system is for, bro. I got no issue with you doing that. But, like, you admitted you did the shit. What the fuck are you fighting for? What you think you're going to get? I I just I so th- no this is what he's filing for. This is what he's filing for. He's filing because he wants the vindication of the lawsuit. He's hoping he's not he's not going to get what he's hoping for. But what he's hoping is that they acquiesce and he can then go back later on and say things like Oh, well, you know, I was vindicated in a civil suit for that. Like, I was cleared of any wrongdoing. No, you weren't, bro. You're a creep. Sexual predator. You've lost your place at the table. And wrestling is done with you. Find else to do. You know, the irony of all this is... Uh, what did you? What was his? What? How did you used to introduce him? The famous, famous dick wrestler Joy Ryan yeah. is now the Christian guy. Hey, where the fuck did that come from? You out here spitting? You out here spitting? You were sponsored stuff. by homie. You were sponsored by Pornhub. Like, you don't even know how to spell Galatians, and you dropped a Galatians tweet. Like, you you don't even know how. To, you don't, you don't even know why Paul wrote to the Galatians. Like, shut up. Like, you are out of here, like, faking it to make it. This is no different than when a hip-hop dude shoots somebody and they go to, they go to, they go to jail and then they come to court and they got glasses on. You don't wear no glasses. You just trying to look smart. Like, you faking it to make it, dog. What are you doing? I, I, I'm, I would be, I would be low-key insulted if it wasn't so funny. But it's funny. It's funny in its ridiculousness. Like, yeah, Exactly. It's like, fanatical. It's fanatical. It's also a hilarious example of someone who had a modicum of success and how unwilling he is to let it go. White men with power cannot let go. I, you saying that opens up my eyes to something. That used to be what you liked about him, was that he knew his place. Yep. Was that he completely understood, I'm not at the top of the card, I am not important to the show. I'm here for some fun. I'm going to dick gonna... flip you, and then we're going to go out for drinks. And to your point, that is the, that's, that's almost as pointed as the bar you spit about five minutes ago. That's a deep point. He can't let his itty-bitty modicum of success go away. Oh, man. This world of wrestling. Sexual assault is all about power. He had power, and now he has none. Well, look, if if you tell me I got to hear him speak, but I don't have to hear Max Blarsky, I'm not saying his other name, or or what's my boy's name? Not my Patrick. boy. What's, well, definitely not Patrick, but I'm talking about the other guys. Um, Travis Banks, yeah. Gallagher, or yeah. Dave Christ. If I ain't got to hear these guys speak, but Joey Ryan got to come every now and then, I'll take that. As long as the other motherfuckers shut up. 
you know, especially Blarsky, because Blarsky almost ruined an important movement that wrestling needed because he was the face of it. All this union crap that as what's funny is another guy didn't shut the fuck up and never hear from again. But Jordan Devlin rightfully pointed out that was only because no other company wanted him. So he had to be the union indie guy. Can, do you see unions happening anymore? He was the guy. He was on TV channels. He was on news channels speaking about unions. Nobody's going to nobody's gonna talk about unions for a while now because he's the guy. He's the union guy. Shit. Yes. That's his shit. Like you and it ruined that. It's a yang to come bring it up. And it is a shame because as we talk about all the time, the wrestlers could legitimately benefit from it. Bro, yes. Like, just, just you, because we say it on the show all the time, but I really don't think our, re- our listeners, like, fully appreciate, depending on how indie the indie company you are working for is, the level of, like, treatment as an employee is real drizzling shits. Like there's a there's a reason they talk about hot dog and a handshake. Well, that's just real, bro. Um, I got one more news item, and then we can kind of bullshit and get yeah. make things happier. Yeah. Show because this has been a very depressing fifteen minutes. Um, one more news item that's actually probably the biggest news item of the week. I would argue. Probably, yeah. Harold May who was the current president and CEO of New Japan Pro Wrestling, important that he was the first English-speaking, I'm not going to call him American because he's not American, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Non-Japanese, I guess, Gaijin mm-hmm. president, uh, apparently resigned. Yeah. Um, Do all the way up. I'm going to read the statement real quick that New Japan Pro Wrestling released. Um New Japan Pro Wrestling issued the following statement this morning announcing that NJPW President Harold May is resigning from, or Mage is resigning from the company and will be replaced by Takami Ohbari. If you don't know who Takami Ohbari is, he is over New Japan strong, the, the American version of New Japan. Um, at a meeting of New Japan Pro Wrestling's parent company, Bushi Road's board of directors today, September 29th, 2020, a change was announced in New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, director directorship. This change will take effect at the beginning of New Japan Pro Wrestling's 50th year of trading on October 23rd. Outgoing President slash CEO Harold May, new uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling President CEO as of October 23rd, Takami Obari, current New Japan of America CEO. So, there's a lot to take in there that's not even relayed in the message. Number one, feels like they're going back to what they knew. I do, but I also think that it... I agree with that, but I also think that it says that they are still serious about a North American push. Uh, 100%. Because Uh, you replace your outgoing CEO with the current head of your U.S. operation? Now, this is an ignorant question, and maybe you know, I don't, but does Obari... Is he a fluent English speaker? I don't know, but I'm going to assume he would have to be if he is overseeing their American operations, because, because here's the thing, all of your wrestlers might not, you know, 
a lot of your wrestlers might speak Japanese, especially because you got Kenta there and blah, blah, blah. But, like, the people who are running these venues, like the rando California dude who's running this venue that they're doing their show in or that's booking these events and, like, the promoters he's going to have to call and with these young American young lions, the people he's going to have to talk to to get background information, like... That's a lot of English speaking unless you really, really trust your underlings. Well, it's interesting you say that because Shibata is over the New Japan Dojo in L.A. and he doesn't speak any English. So it's interesting you say that. There's already a little precedent, but over a dojo lead trainer and over the entire promotion is a big difference. Exactly, exactly. There's a huge difference between teaching the boys how to do the business and running the business side of the business. Good point. Um, I, this feels like to me, backlash for AEW. Yes. For all the guidance leaving. Yes. And for interest in the promotion dwindling. Yes. So you agree with all these? I do. Even though I don't think any of them are Harold's fault. I think Harold is the guy to fall on the sword for it. Well, I think, and the re- there's a reason yeah. I don't think it's Harold's fault. I don't think it's Harold's fault because I think that AEW is the result of a confluence of so many things. Yeah. And and one of them in relation, especially to the Bucks more so than more so than even Kenny, especially the Bucks, what else was there for them to do? That's fair. That's fair. What else was there for them to do? Because they are a tag team for life. They are tag teamers. That's what they want to be. That is who they are. And like, okay, cool. Maybe New Japan lets you go and be heavyweight tag team, but you're still never going to be more than the mid-card guys. Yeah. You're still never going to be taken as seriously as the others. And like, you know, I just... That and their desire to be closer to their families because, you know, they're, they're, faux, they're, they're faux good Christian boys, but they are, like, you know, legit family people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and like... For the record, they, they did get moved to, heavy, to the heavyweight tag division their last year because they yeah. were a one-time heavyweight tag. But, but yeah, as, as evidenced by the fact that you can't tell me who the damn tag title champion. I'm I'm sorry, the Tekkers, right? Yeah. Saber and Tai Chi. But nonetheless, yeah. there is no heavyweight tag division. So yes, that, that was probably a good point on their point on their behalf. So yeah. like for them there's that. With Kenny, I think I think with Kenny it's legit that his friends asked him to do it. And Oh yeah, he didn't want to leave. Yeah, no. He he literally just his his best friends asked him to do it, said, Hey, we can make a shit ton of money. You don't have to work all that much. And and I and I think the allure of what AW could be yeah. was too much to turn down. I agree, but let me tell you why I think it is Harold May's fault. Okay. And it's it's a proxy thing. It's not something he directly did, but it's a proxy thing. What he did and what he was what he kind of led forth was kind of Gaijin's taking over the company. He was Big and pushing Gaijin's in many parts of the company at top levels. Not just one, but a bunch of them, right? Mm-hmm. And if you remember, Tanahashi came out and said, the whole Tanahashi uh, Omega feud, which was real, by the way. 
This was not kayfabe. They did not like each other. Was because Tanahashi was like, this is a Japanese company. We should be running this company. I have no problem with the best people being put in top positions, but you are going away from the tradition of the company by doing the things that you're doing. Right? And it wasn't just pointed at Omega. It was pointed at Harold May. There were some talks of, of wrestlers talking to May in the back, saying, I don't know what you're doing. I'm not comfortable. I'm a rock with it. It but became very Western. We, and, exactly. we, and, and it was a it was a running story for a while there. Like, you know, you g- go back and listen to our boys at Keeping It Strong Style. It was a running talk for a while at the height of the Bullet Club era of, like, the westernization of New Japan and whether or not that was a good thing. And Bullet Club implosion lasted for, what, like five, six months? Yeah. And it ended up changing stories because originally it was the implosion between Adam and Kenny, and then Adam went to WWE, and Cody took Adam's place. And they just kept on going from there, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah so, so I, so, but that wouldn't have happened if May didn't push for that. So I feel like there was already an uncomfortable, and and I joke about this, and I don't I don't ever mean any of this maliciously, but I joke about it that the Japanese wrestlers are taking back over their company because I've joked about the Japanese guys they t- they've taken over Bullet Club, right? Jay White's gonna kick, get kicked out because Bullet Club is Japanese now, and I'm and I'm that's all jokes, but it all is rooted in some truth. Because I think if 2020 has shown us something going into 2021, is that with all due respect to the Tongans and with all due respect to the few guys they have, Osprey Bitch Ass and LP, you know, and, and King Switch and a few of the guys, by and large, they rocking with the Japanese guys. And they, like need this is- to, they need to, because if there's one thing that the change in the wrestling landscape that has happened over the last couple of years has shown, it's that like, Especially now that AEW is a thing and with MLW having achieved a certain level of success and with NWA still somehow surviving, um, like there's not the same level of need for American and Canadian talents to go to Japan if they're outside of WWE that there was seven years ago. Good point. You can... You can, one, make a damn good living as an indie wrestler now. Number two, you can do it working for local promotions in a way that you couldn't before. And go home. And go home and still get exposure to higher paying jobs. Like, it's one thing if you go to New Japan because Bushiroad offered you them big yens. And you were just like, all right, I'll take some big yen. I'll take some big yen. Um, It's another thing if you're going because you're thinking, well, I'm not signed to WWE, and the only other way for me to really make a living as a wrestler is if I go over to Japan. You you want to laugh real quick? Yeah. New Japan is another company that Marty Skrull fucked himself out of money-wise. Yay, dude! Yay, dude! Oh, boy, and Marty. All friends, oh. And all of his friends don't work there no more. Everybody hates Marty. <laughs> the only Brits on the roster gonna tell you to fuck yourself. Because the only Brits on the New Japan roster are Zach and Will. That's it now, right? 
Because LP is LP and Robbie Eagles are from uh, Australia, I think. No, LP's from Canada, isn't he? Or is he from Australia? Uh, LP might be Canadian, but I know Robbie Eagles is, uh, is Eagles Australian. is Australian, yes, for sure. Gino's Australian. I thought LP was Australian. Let's look. I'll look it up while you uh, wax philosophical real quick. Um. I yeah. I I just I I feel for the guy. I like the fact that he was bringing some diversity to the card, some diversity to the company. He is Canadian. Okay. Um. I think that the two night. Wrestle Kingdom was a hell of a ballsy move. And, and it worked, I think. It worked fantastically for them financially. But I I I I can understand the need to want to kind of let's get back to the way we do things. And New Japan Pro Wrestling is very much it's not a family company like like WWE is, but it's very much run like a family company. We do things a certain way because we've always done them a certain way. We're going to continue to do them a certain well, way. And, and some of that is also tied to culture. its position within the Japanese culture mm-hmm. and the Japanese culture around wrestling because je- like kayfabe to a much greater extent still exists in Japan. Good point. Like, like the fans know, but at the same time, it's, it's almost kind of like respecting the theater of it all. Like, yes, we know this is, you know, scripted entertainment, but this is still our sport. And we, you know, acknowledge what it is to us. Like, there's a reason that they, that their logo says King of Sport. Oh, yeah. Well, their, uh, their, their results are in the newspaper. Like, it's real. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they do press conferences at the end of the matches. Like, not promo. So, like, it's it's very culturally treated differently. So, traditions matter more in the same way that traditions matter to sports fans. Good point. Fuck what a sports fan's tradition. It don't even matter what the tradition is. Um, do, what do you, what do you think is... The, I mean, clearly we don't know anything about the guy yet. What do you think is going to be kind of a big takeaway from this or a, a big kind of the big thing Theo going to run on? What do you think is his big point going to be? I'm not sure if I have an answer to that, but I can tell you that I will be curious to see how he, as the former director of the North American operation, I would be curious to see if he makes any changes to which companies they have working arrangements with. It ain't going to be AEW, bro. They got, like, a- like Bush Road. Oh, I'm not saying... No, I'm not saying it's going to be AEW. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not even putting that one out there. I'm just saying I will be interested to see if he, like... Like, I don't know if I really fucks with Ring of Honor. Maybe I want to start sending the people to, like, MLW or... Some other shit. Like I don't. I'm not saying that that's gonna happen. I'm not even predicting it's gonna happen. I'm just curious if his experience being in the U.S. and like having exposure to the various companies and like getting to know people might influence him to say, "Do we really want to fucks with Ring of Honor, or do we want to change that up, or what do we want to do?" It would behoove him to. I would say that pairing pairing. Uh, New Japan with MLW would be probably a good shout, but Ring of Honor has bigger names at the moment. Um, so, like, 
Because other uh, other than Hammerstone and Holiday for, of the Dynasty, my boy Gino from Houston, uh, Joseph Fatu, and L.A. Park, I can't really tell you any other major guys. Uh, Manser, Mance Warner is there. Oh, God, Mance Warner in a Japanese death match. That's like... That's like a deathmatch fan's dream right there. But um, I don't. I can't really tell you any major guys. But in terms of quality, like you, I've never watched the MLW show and not been like that shit was good. And I, we've, you know, we've seen multiple Ring of Honor shows. Yeah, where you were like, yeah, yeah. I could pass. <laughs> yeah, we've seen plenty of those where you're just like. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you to end the show with something that is very different All right. than we've ever, than we've ever done before. Okay. Okay. Um, I trust you with this. This means a lot to you and because it means a lot to you, it means a lot to me. Um, but I don't want, I don't ever want the show to get too out of the realm of of wrestling, but there are times where sometimes you need to make a statement. Sometimes you need to kind of step up to the plate, and you need to choke up on the bat, and you need to aim for the fences. I want you to go ahead and talk to the people and explain to them the importance of voting, why we should vote, and all the things that you do already do as a teacher and as a human being. Um, and we can end the show on that note. All right. Um... So, y'all, we recorded this show on September the 30th, so the earliest you're listening to this is the 1st of October. The first thing I can tell you is if you're not already registered, depending on where you live, it is not too late. You can register to vote. It takes less than 10 minutes to register to vote. There is a website for literally every state. If you have your driver's license in your hand, you can register to vote right now on your phone you don't gotta go nowhere you don't gotta call nobody nothing just fill out the form and as far as like why it's important it's always important because anything that you're upset about is directly tied to some level of your government whether it is you don't like the decisions that are being made in your kids schools guess what y'all school boards are elected positions we vote on that you don't like the amount of money that is being taken out on your property taxes or you don't like how your roads are being uh the condition your roads are in or you don't like how much gas costs all that stuff is debated by your local representatives in your government your government decides that so like it's always important to vote down ballot in these elections who's on your city council who's on your school board who is your local representative at the state level? Is your state taking COVID seriously? If they're not, who are you supposed to call about that? Your local person. Because that's what local government is for. But this year, it's even more important to vote because, y'all, I teach government, I teach law, I teach geography, and I teach history. So believe me when I tell you I know what a threat to democracy looks like. And our democracy is currently begging to be rescued. The, the current occupant of the White House wants to be a dictator. He has 
joked on more than one occasion about 12 more years, eight more years. Oh, well, the Supreme Court's going to have to look at the ballots. This is dictatorial behavior. If you value living in a democracy, if you value being able to have freedom of speech, if you value being able to, you know, live in a healthy planet with a good environment, if you care about people of color, fucking vote. Fucking vote. And on that note, we love y'all. We will catch you next week.